Queso Salami, Solo Qasem, Solomani, Solomani, whatever. Guy's dead. Does this start the war with Iran that certain special interests so desperately want? Because his daughter, she's out there warning dark days for the U.S. So please, lady, take a seat. Plus, Michelle Williams lauded at the Golden Globes for killing her baby in the womb because she's so brave and so powerful. Anyone who kills an innocent being that can't fight back is. And my trip to Europe and the Netherlands and how sad it is to see Europe falling apart due to galloping globalism. Ladies and gentlemen, the White House brief back for 2020, bigger and better than ever, begins now. So hundreds and thousands of Iranians took to the streets of Tehran, that's the capital of Iran for those of you idiots out there, on Monday to mourn the loss of their dear Soleimani. I mean, look at this. Now, no one here in the U.S., of course, is mourning that rat's loss. Oh, well, except that would be for the entire left who has gone to defending Iran and its leaders in order to, I don't know, own the right. Good job, lefties, because, you know, most people were thinking, hey, you know what my problem with the modern left is? They haven't gone insane enough. Today's sponsor, Black Rifle Coffee. Urge you to sign up for Black Rifle Coffee Club. I do it. I love it. Every month, it's shipped directly to my door, and I'll tell you how to get 20% off your first order. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned and operated premium small batch roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. That's it. Love America? This is your coffee company. Because companies like Starbucks certainly do not love America. They sooner hire refugees than those who have put their lives on the line for this country. But Black Rifle Coffee also happens to be much better. They develop their roast profiles with the same mission focus they learned as military members serving the U.S. And you can get all of their blends, either whole bean or ground. And many of them are available as single-serve coffee rounds. But the best way to enjoy their coffee is through the Black Rifle Coffee Club. You choose the amount and blends you want. And then at a special discounted price, it's shipped free directly to your home. So that means you can keep working hard. Don't have to take your mind off your work. You can keep making America great. Keep making America the land of the free, home of the brave. And you'll never have to rush to the store again for your caffeine fix. Wake up to America's coffee by going to blackriflecoffee.com slash WHB. That is blackriflecoffee.com slash WHB. And then enter the discount code WHB again to get 20% off your first order of any coffee products, including the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Okay, so the people of Iran are devastated. You know, there are people out there claiming that the millions, the millions that you just you just saw who showed up were sent by the mullahs, maybe some of them. But his death, I guarantee you, no doubt was a big hit for some people. There are many tears here, many signs with Soleimani's picture on them. But the message is also very clear. These people want revenge. Yep. Hear you loud and clear, bro. I think what he said, because believe it or not, it was in English, is, are we human or are we not? Are we human or not? That's what he said. Now, for the better part of a couple years now, I have been railing against more intervention in the Middle East. In fact, the very first pilot episode I did for this show was opposing Trump's missile strikes the first time he did it in Syria. You know, remember after Ivanka was heartbroken and outraged by the country's alleged chemical weapons attack? So I'm not the one who's wavering on this. Unless there is a good and clear explanation as to how it furthers or protects 
our interests, I'm really not interested. And neither is a majority of the American people. According to a CKI and Real Clear survey, Americans think conflict in the Middle East has failed to make the United States safer and believe it's time to bring troops home. A majority of voters, 57% of them, according to one poll, said they were against military confrontation with Iran if the U.S. was not directly attacked by the country. Over the summer, remember when Trump made the decision not to strike Iran, a vast majority of voters said they supported it. So it's clear there is no appetite for incessant war abroad in a region that we've been in for all of my teenage and adult years. And since tens of millions of Americans, if not over 100 million Americans, have been alive, we've been there for. But the appetite for war with Iran in certain special interest circles is different than the American people's. They are starving for conflict with Iran. Now, I'm not a military expert and I don't pretend to be, but the same cannot be said for the dozens of clowns who claim they are experts and have therefore determined our military policy in the Middle East to disastrous results for the last decade. And if this same group is deciding the strategy going forward, Americans should be very worried. If the people we know have been itching for war with Iran to the point where they're willing to blame Iran for attacks before they even have conclusive evidence just to dive into a conflict with them are in charge, you should be very concerned. You should be concerned when you have war adorer John Bolton celebrating and saying, hope this is the first step to regime change in Tehran. Oh, re regime change. Yeah, shut it, walrus. Are, are you signing up for the draft? Didn't think so. Are your kids? Because, you know, if your kids wanted to, they could already be signed up to go fight in one of the multiple other wars you supported starting but never, never got the chance to finish before trying to dive into another one. But leave it to the left to outstupid everyone on all of this. Skip right over rational foreign policy and go straight up to defending Iran, a sickening Muslim regime that wants us dead. Because like us, just because you ask about the implications of taking out a powerful world leader such as Salami, doesn't mean you all of a sudden defend them. Doesn't mean you all of a sudden defend the world's number one state sponsor of terror. And yet that's what we're seeing on the left. They are defending the mullahs. <laughs> they, are, they are mourning Suleimani's death. Oh no, Suleimani, he's dead, what do we do? This is no longer about support for the regime, but it's really about standing up to a foreign aggressor. Explain for viewers, why does Mike Pompeo keep saying terrorists? There is a legal reason he keeps saying the word terrorist, isn't it? They can't actually be terrorists. No, there has to be a reason why he's calling them terrorists, because the Washington Post referred to Soleimani as Iran's most revered military leader. And one of our favorite congresswomen, Ilhan Omar, she saved her usual reserved language, you know, the language she likes to use for 9-11, and was simply outraged by this one. We are outraged the president would assassinate a foreign official, possibly setting off another war without a congressional authorization and had zero plan to deal with the consequences. But of course you know that. D-list actress Rose McGowan she is probably the one who went the most insane when she tweeted out a photo of Iran's flag waving in the sun and she wrote, oh dear Iran, the USA has disrespected your country, your flag, your people. 52% of us humbly apologize. We want peace with your nation. We are being held hostage by a terrorist regime. We do not know how to escape. Please do not kill us. Hey Rose, wanna know how you escape? 
You hop your ass on a plane and get the hell out of here. The people defending Soleimani, they are just as despicable as those other people. I mean, Soleimani, he was an evil dude. No question about it. Very powerful. I mean, look, he's, he, this guy was frequently threatening America with terrorism. You know, I don't have rose-colored glasses on this. This guy had an active Instagram page that posted images of the White House exploding. And now Soleimani's daughter, uh, what's her name? I, her name escapes me. Probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway. Speaking at the funeral for her father, she warned the United States about dark days. Dark days. I mean, if they try to pull any of that crap on us directly here in the U.S., we will crush them and they will regret anything they tried to pull. Dark days. My ass. <laughs> you don't know the meaning of dark days until we turn your country into a parking lot. If you try to pull any direct attacks on us. But our attack must be swift, it must be impactful, and retaliatory. We shouldn't dare plan on doing in Iran what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan, which is go on in there, saunter on in there with no clear plan, no clear conception of what victory looks like, and then uh, just stay there for years. Stay there for years and watch our men picked off by the thousands for a war that no one still to this day can justify. So the Golden Globes were last night. You guys watch? You guys see them? No, of course not. But I'm sure by now you've at least seen parts of Ricky Gervais's monologue. This guy ripped the snobs apart. If you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God. And, and it's funny. In fact, some might say it was epic. But what was even more epic was the audience's reaction, if you could watch him throughout. I mean, look at Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks afterwards, he's pursing his lips like, oh my, I can't believe what this, uh, what this dirtbag is saying to us. How dare he talk to us nobility this way. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Their faces actually show, actually reveal how they plan to react to Ricky Gervais's speech, which is not receptively. You know, that's the thing. Nobody in that audience, this was for us, because nobody in that audience was suddenly like, oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. I guess I, I guess I am an elitist, dumb, dumb idiot. He's right. I don't know anything. No one had that reaction. Right after he told them to F off, what happened? Oh, well, they spent the entire night continuing on with the normal preachy shtick. But there were two really big parts that stuck out in particular to me. We're not gonna look back on this night. In the history books, we will see a country on the brink of war, the United States of America, a president tweeting out a threat of 52 bombs, including cultural sites. Young people risking their lives, traveling across the world, people not knowing if bombs are gonna drop on their kids' heads, and the continent of Australia on fire. Yeah, that's what they're gonna see. Uh, can she see? I mean, what's, what's with the glasses here? And she would she go run a marathon and then go up on stage, put sunglasses on, then decide to give a speech? What's going on here? Do you think she could find Iran on a map? Do you think she knows anything at all? Because they're going to see that Australia is on fire. Well, 
She's not the only person who mentioned the devastating fires in Australia that have killed half a million animals. They are devastating. But did you know that they aren't caused by climate change? No, that's something they made up. Here's from an Australian newspaper. Police arrested 183 people for lighting bushfires across Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and Tasmania in the past few months. Police data shows 183 people have been charged or cautioned for bushfire-related offenses since November 8th, and 24 arrested for deliberately starting bushfires. Deliberately. You hear that? So no, it's not climate change. No, it's not an act of God. No, it is an act of despicable idiots. Arsonists. And speaking of at least rhetorical arsonists and despicable idiots, Michelle Williams. Well, Michelle Williams, she won an award for some movie or some show or something that I've never heard of before. And who did she thank? Oh, she thanked her abortion. I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. To choose when to have my children and with whom. She's so brave. She's so strong. She's a role model. Thunderous applause. You know, I guess I, I'll give it to her. She is a good actress because if you remember, the last movie that won a lot of awards that she did was Manchester by the Sea. And what was that about? Well, in Manchester by the Sea, she played a woman who was upset, upset when her husband killed their kids. But apparently, apparently in real life, nah, not such a big dealsy when you kill your children. No, these people, these people are monsters. Abortion, safe, legal, rare. Remember that? That's what they used to say. And now it's changed to, well, abortion, whenever it's not personally convenient to have a baby, well, then go ahead and kill that baby. Because uh, I'm a woman here. I'm a strong woman. I'm looking out for number one. It's the only thing that matters. Actors, they love to talk about, they love to talk about, this is what they do with their work. They go and they get to the heart of the issue. Well, the heart of the issue here is that these are the most self-absorbed people on the planet. They spend all of their lives wrapped up in feelings, but their feelings are this deep. They are shallow. I mean, these people want to think their movies, they're gonna come, they're gonna come into your life and save you. When's the last time you were saved by a movie? Movies don't save you. Movies entertain. They might make you think differently about something, but if that thought, let me tell you, if that thought doesn't leave the couch with you when the movie is over, then it didn't matter to you. What really matters in real life is what you do with your feelings. And in Michelle's case, in Michelle Williams's case, she chose to murder her baby so that she could one day stand on a stage for what, 60 seconds to tell you about how she killed her child to get there? Hmm, that's what she did it for? Clearly she didn't learn a damn thing and her movies didn't teach her any lessons. And I think that's rather sad, don't you? All right, and for our final segment today, just got back from Europe, which has basically become more or less a borderless blob. I mean, you don't even need a passport anymore in a lot of these places when traveling to and fro. Europeans are so cucked, or at least I should say their leaders are, because, because the people, 
they don't seem to be really as down with losing their cultural identity as their leaders are. No, globalism is being rejected by the people despite being foisted on them by their leaders. Because, you know, it, it's always a healthy thing when the people and those who govern them are on two completely different pages. Don't you think? I mean, can you blame Europeans? Their cultures are being destroyed. Some of the greatest civilizations this planet has ever seen. Some of the greatest civilizations in history on earth have been reduced to cappuccinos and Vespas and terrorism and migrants. Oh, and how could I forget? How could I forget the Europeans' greatest achievement of the 20th century, the ever so celebrated high-speed rail, the Eurorail or whatever, you know, the rail, the high-speed rail that, you know, you'll arrive at your destination before you're even off the phone with our customer service. No. Europe had its heyday, and that day, sorry to tell you, is not today. Because in Europe, today is all about remembering how good Europe used to be. You know, before they capitulated to modernity, which is the killer of great civilizations. I, no one today is visiting Europe for anything that happened in this century. No, no first-time tourist to Paris is going to be like, yeah, you know what, pass on the Louvre, Mona Lisa's great and all, but you know what I'm dying to see is the Pompidou Modern Art Museum. I mean, look at that beaut. It's the finest pick of the litter. Really? I mean, it looks like the plumbing at my house, except, like, massive. You know, no one in Europe traveling is like, gee, you know, I heard St. Vitus Cathedral in Prague is stunning, but I'd rather see their amazing television tower built in the 80s. And if you look close enough, you can see little babies crawling around and crawling up the tower. You know, it's a shame they removed those little babies recently because uh, that, that really just added the, uh, the extra what the hell factor. No one's like, yes, our family had tickets to visit The Hague in the Netherlands, not to see Nordend Palace, not to see the Binnenhof. No, we just came to see, we just came to see the stunning International Criminal Court, which recently moved into these absolutely spectacular new purpose-built premises to fill its mandate of the <coughs> fake <coughs> legal practice known as international law. Now, if you look at this, Sure, it might look like it's something out of a green dystopian novel, but I, I guarantee you the bushy coagulations engulfing out of the buildings are not actually overgrown moss. No, those are intentional. It's the ugliest building I've ever seen. Sadly, it's not just these superficial manifestations of Europe's emasculation. No, this is happening on a much larger, much deeper level. Look at the French refugee camps which have been touted with such admiration that they should be a model for all around the world. And it's what, in fact, we need to do here in the U.S., despite what their newscasters warn. What we experienced here last night was frightening. These men are evidently violent and they're dangerous. They wrestled us to the ground and they hit us. And it's not unusual. It's happening here on a nightly basis. It's also not unusual for people to be stolen from and beaten at these camps with two dozen migrants with rocks, knives, and sticks. That was in France. Germany, of course, isn't any better. Germany, of course, the second most popular migration destination in the world after the US. In Germany, the immigrants make up 15% of the German population, and there are about 12 million immigrants. And Angela Merkel, well, she wants to build more facilities, which of course, these facilities, they're only housing the best and brightest, best and brightest waiting to become good Deutsche citizens, people like this. 
We have been in this place for two months, two months, a year, some months, two years, some months, like this, I'm nameless now. No school, nothing, nothing, no proper care, no feeding, no care, no love. But you know, lady, you always have the option to go back. Hmm? You have the option to leave that facility anytime you want. But for some reason, well, they never want to leave. And they talk about no love. Well, <laughs> you're not getting any love. Sounds like you already love Germany. And sounds like you're going to be a great inhabitant. And Germany is, uh, Germany is uh, lucky to have you. Angela Merkel has allowed more than a million people from Syria, Iraq, and elsewhere into Germany. And what is more, her government is setting up dozens of these refugee facilities around Germany. And she says, well, Germany can't just simply start rejecting asylum seekers at the border. Uh, why not? Well, let's see. What do the German people want? Well, when it comes to undocumented refugees, which is a lot of them, an opinion poll from 18 showed that a majority, 62%, were in favor of turning back undocumented migrants at the border. And then zooming out, according to a study by the World Economic Forum across Europe, do majorities see new immigrants as mostly bad? What's interesting about Europe is this. You see the trends with the people. And you see a lot of the same trends that their government is trying to impose on them here. Open borders, immigration, refugees, more globalism, more multiculturalism. Only problem in Europe is the people just aren't that into it. Far more seldom in Europe do you see the stickers that line the window shops of LA and New York and San Francisco or even Burlington, Vermont that say, refugees, welcome here. France, Italy, Poland, Russia, Turkey, they all actually seem very worried about mass immigration. And in fact, in France, they had to announce the country's first foreign worker quotas for non-European Union immigrants. And were the people outraged about these quotas? No. Would you be shocked to hear the people liked it, that most of the French supported these measures? Now, the government is so woke. Why would the French government all of a sudden decide to get stricter on immigration? Why? Well, because they have local elections coming up in March. And Macron is up for re-election in 2022. So we all know they're trying to appeal to the population of France. Just like here in America, when French politicians all of a sudden have to win elections, weirdly enough, they become these hardline conservatives. You know, maybe the whole globalism, getting rid of our own culture to accommodate those of others thing isn't as popular as people think. Because let's not forget that when France moved to ban the burqa in public spaces, 82% were in favor of banning it. The British overwhelmingly support banning the burqa two to one. And in Britain, well, remember the last elections. The Brexit, the Brexit party was the clear winner of UK's European elections. So clearly, the people of Europe do not want to be part of this cultureless, stale, monolithic blob. But the EU insists that they do. The EU essentially functions as the new Soviet Union. And look at all the wonders that that produced for the people of Eastern Europe. It's the same type of system. Unaccountable bureaucrats who elect each other and rule over their subjects, telling the people what to do. Remember, remember how the EU negotiators viewed those in the UK wanting to leave Brexit. We finally turned them into a colony. And it was our plan for <laughs> Do not be a slave to globalism, Europe. We already see the people are starting to rise up 
in Switzerland, Austria, and Hungary, more than 25% of the population voted for nationalist right-wing parties in the most recent elections. So my prediction, after having seen firsthand and talked with people in Europe, that number's only gonna go up because the people are fed up and things, things have never really gone that well and that's putting it lightly for Europe when the leaders stop listening to the people whom they govern. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief Podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. And if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.